the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening. Hi, this is Ron Geyer with End Time Insights. Back again. Thank you, Lord, for letting me do this. And thank you guys for listening. We're excited. We love doing this. We love the Word of God. We love the people of God. We love speaking about the things of God. And so, you know, we just had the midterm elections recently, and that got me to thinking, you know, it they pretty much went as I expected. I feel I know where we are biblically. I feel I know what the Word of God says. And we have not paid the penalty in full for the things that we've done for the homosexuality, for the murder of 67 million little babies. So we're under the judgment of God and things will not get better. They will only get worse. I am not surprised that the so-called red wave, which was prophesied, didn't manifest. Not surprised at all. I'm happy about Governor DeSantis in Florida. They're making a good model, a good case. I was looking at what's going on. I am not a Republican. I am not a Democrat. I am what you would call, I guess, what, independent, something like that, because I don't want to be limited. There's crooks in both parties. The Democrat Party is way gone, so they really don't get my vote. But the Republicans, they say something, but they're not far behind the actions of the Democrats. So there's really nobody to be trusted there. And to me, that's okay. This world is going to be destroyed. It's going to hell. They've rejected Christ. They've rejected his laws. They've rejected his principles. And so there's a price to pay. And being under the rule of people, the Antichrist crowd, is not unusual. I expect it to happen. Anyway, I said that because we've been teaching, we got started in our home Bible study, in our church, I guess you would say, on the kingdom of God. What happens next? Where do we go from here? You know, we're moving. Hallelujah. You know, I've been in my house 30 years, I guess. I don't know. No, 1981. What is today? 19 and 22. 41 years. And my wife and I were very happy. And yet when we do move, we're going to be moving and it's going to be quite a move. I'll tell you that right now. We're going to be moving into the millennial reign of Christ. And so that's what we're looking at. We're trying to learn about the millennial reign of Christ. I want to know who's going there. I want to know what am I going to be doing there? I want to know, Jesus, what have you got in store for us? And the Bible tells us. So I decided to do a little study on that. And uh, I, I wrote this post the other day about, I put it on Facebook, and let me read it to you. It's pretty interesting. Since Jesus came to the earth 2,000 years ago and placed the kingdom of God within those who believe, there has been a war going on in this earth between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world. One is a spiritual kingdom that lives and manifests in the hearts of man. The other is a carnal kingdom, purely five-sense realm, and operates in the natural realm. One, that one, worships self and lives by what they can see. The other operates by faith and worships God. 
The kingdom of God can't be seen by those who live in the natural realm, in the kingdoms of this world. They don't coexist peacefully, these two kingdoms. The world's kingdom wants to do away with God's kingdom. That's only natural. We threaten them with our love, our morality, and our peace, our freedoms. All of that convicts them of their sin. We are a threat to their so-called freedoms. One of the mistakes our side makes, though, is that we don't understand our purpose here. Jesus wishes to use us to represent what life in his kingdom looks like. That's pretty simple. We're supposed to be showing people what kingdom living looks like. Hallelujah. Even while we're in the enemy's camp, even while we are stuck here, we are serving a king who's not here now in the natural realm. And so we're having to operate by faith. And it's challenging even the church so much so that we've gotten distracted. And so Jesus wants us to represent that life in the midst of this suffering and persecution. It's that simple. However, we have somehow gotten the idea that we are to establish, not represent God's kingdom. Don't forget, God wants us to live our lives whereby we put a hunger and a questioning in the lives of those who are still living in sin. Don't forget, all the people that get saved come from Satan's kingdom. And so it's important that we make a spiritual impression upon them. Don't forget, they can't see the kingdom of God. The only opportunity they have is to see the kingdom of God living in us. And even then, they don't know what it is. But the idea is, you know, revival comes when the church lives holy lives. And when the church lives holy lives, we start walking in love and people want to see, wow, they're full of peace. They're full of wisdom. They're full of grace. They love me. What's going on? And that's the opportunity we have to get them delivered, preaching the gospel. Jesus is different. That's what's different about me. It's our example that's different. It's the persecution that we suffer that causes them to recognize we are different from them. But that is our witness. That's how we win the loss. God didn't call us to fix the world. He didn't call us to get the world's kingdoms to conform to his kingdom. He hasn't sent us to rule their kingdoms either. We aren't to pressure their kingdoms to live by our rules. Any efforts in any of those directions is purely wasted. He did call us not to clean the pond, but to fish in the pond. The bait is truth. The hook is love. And the Holy Spirit is the fisherman. The environment of man, the pond, has become polluted. And God's about to drain the pond. Saints, we got to get to work. Time is short. In that vein, the time is short. We were talking about this yesterday in Bible study. And, you know, all of the things that are supposed to be happening before the church is removed uh, are happening. They've happened. May 14th, 1948, the rebirth of the nation Israel, the Jews, they're coming back home en masse. That's one of the telling signs that the Lord is about to return. Then you've got lawlessness in the earth. Now, lawlessness has always been in the earth. You understand that. But now it's in America. And who would have thought? Who would have thought that we're doing some of the things that we've done? You know, America, we were a Christian nation. We were a Christian nation. But right now, we are probably the most pagan nation on the planet today with the things that we're doing. It's a terrible turn of events. And yet, that's in keeping with the prophetic word that was written about the apostasy in the last days. Men would rebel against the truth. And these aren't just generic truths. These are lifelong truths that have been around for centuries. The man and a woman, right? Well, homosexuality, now they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. That's a truth of God that's being violated. What about this gender stuff now? There's no longer just man and woman. They're so confused. There's 10, 12, 15, 20, however many you want to be. 
And so the truths that have been known by mankind for 6,000 years, those are being challenged now. So up until now, the kingdom has been operating in the earth in the realm of the spirit without the five-sense realm presence of its king, Jesus. The kingdom's king coming to earth to bring man back. That happened when Jesus came. He came to bring them back into the kingdom after Adam committed treason against the kingdom. And him returning was the step that enabled man to have the opportunity to get back into the kingdom. Matthew one twenty one, And she, Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? Because he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus didn't come to keep mankind from going to hell. He came to get mankind back into the kingdom of God. And by the way, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it's the same kingdom. One defines the person, the other defines the place, but it is the same kingdom. The method for doing that, bringing us back into the kingdom, was to deal with the one thing that would keep man from entering into the kingdom. And you know what that is. It is sin. That's why so many churches refuse to talk about it. Now, that's the evidence that Satan is in their churches, because he's got the church silent on the sin question. We don't ever talk about divorce. We don't talk about uh, so many things we've given up on, alcoholism, addictions. Uh, the things that are spiritual, because of the silence of the church, they are now discussion points in the political realm. And it's there that they think they have the final say when the truth of the matter is the church should be talking about those things because they are not political issues. They are spiritual issues, and that's where the church should have the high ground. So talking about sin, Jesus didn't save man from hell. He saved man from his sin. Once we get free from our sin, then we have the appropriate equipment, as it were, to live legally in the kingdom. And what is that equipment? It's a born-again spirit, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. So Jesus dealt with the sin question, and that has enabled mankind to once more go back where Adam was, enter into the kingdom of God rightfully, lawfully. When Jesus came to earth, he reintroduced that kingdom to mankind. Luke seventeen twenty one. Neither shall they say, lo, here, or lo, there he is, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Here, Jesus is answering the Jews' question about when he will set up his kingdom. Don't forget, they were expecting a a political Messiah as opposed to a spiritual Messiah. They didn't know that they needed to be set free from their sin. They were just so bent under the rule of the Romans at that time, and they were looking for someone that would fight, that would deliver them from Roman rule. And Jesus came and he says, well, you know, (laughs) the kingdom of God is within you. It's not a physical five-sense realm kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom in the hearts of mankind. Remember, the Jew was looking for a deliverer to fight against their oppressors. Jesus rocks their world with his response. It's here at this point in time, the advent of the ministry of Jesus Christ, that the kingdom doors have been thrown wide open. Remember Christmas, what? The angel came to Mary, peace on earth, goodwill towards mankind. He wasn't talking about an absence of wars between men and between nations and between um, there were regional conflicts. He's not talking about peace. When he says peace on earth, he's talking about man and God. Because of what Jesus is about to do, the door has been thrown wide open. Mankind can once more have peace with God. That is what the angel is talking about. And remember, whose kingdom is it? It's Christ's kingdom. Let's look at the way that Jesus talks about how you get into the kingdom of God. 
I'm going to read uh, one, two, three, four verses out of John, John chapter three, verses three through six. Jesus answered and said unto him, Nicodemus, truly I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So you've got an understanding right there that the world does not see the kingdom of God. Why not? Because they aren't born again. That's why I said we need to be so careful in our witness. We need to make sure that we're doing the kingdom business, that we're walking in love, that we're speaking the truth, that we're suffering joyfully. Count it all joy, right? We need to make sure that we are representing the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ as we should be. Many Christians are sidetracked, even with the Trump dealy. We had a good president, and now they're fighting and trying to get Trump reelected again. They've missed the point. Okay, the idea is we're not setting up his kingdom. We are not establishing his kingdom. We are representing his kingdom. And that's our witness. And the Bible says that except a man be born again, he'll not see that kingdom. And so, number one, you have to be born again to get into that kingdom. And then number two, the people that don't know God will not be able to see the kingdom. So you have to do a great job that they can see the evidence of the kingdom in you, which will breed questions. And that's your open door. Hallelujah. So Nicodemus says unto Jesus, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus tells him, truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Jesus explains to Nicodemus the requirements for one to enter into his kingdom. He throws off Nicodemus with his answer, but then he explains it literally how this happens. One must be born again. There are two births that man goes through. Number one, the birth of water. That's where man is born into the earth. Water being the breaking of water in the woman's womb when she's about to give birth. That's man being born of water. And then there's the, that's the natural birth. And then there's the uh, spiritual birth when man's spirit is born again. Basically, the spirit which is dead now becomes alive to the things of God. Remember, Jesus doesn't make bad people good. He makes dead people alive. Just like being born into this world gives life to your flesh, being born into God's kingdom gives life to your spirit. I love that. Remember, Jesus doesn't make bad people good. He makes dead people alive. Your spirit is once more in harmony with God's spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that's the bonus of being born again. You have a born-again spirit that's in contact, direct contact with the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit of God. Deep, call us unto deep. You have the ability, I love it, to talk to the creator of the universe. My brother, we would work together. He worked for me, and he was a melancholy temperament. You know, if I told him on Saturday, okay, Monday, when we go back to work, you're going to go to Kingwood. And God forbid if I called him up Saturday night or Sunday or Monday morning and said, oh, we're not working in Kingwood today, Rick. We're going to be working in Clear Lake. It just threw him off because he had rehearsed going to Kingwood all week in his mind. And so, well, you know, Ron, I think you made a mistake. You told me that we were going to work here and we were actually working there. I says, no. Rick, I got up this morning. I prayed. I spoke with God this morning. You're going through an alcoholic haze and you don't have no idea what I'm talking about. But God delivered Brother Ricky. Hallelujah. But And I would have that conversation. Now, Rick, I've talked to the creator of the universe. It doesn't make me perfect, but it means I'm awake. My life, my spirit is alive to the things of God. I'm hearing from God. I am submitting to the will of God. I expect, I expect the directions I give you to be the correct instructions. Hallelujah. 
So 2 Corinthians 5.17, we talked about that. When you're in Christ, old things are passed away. If you were an alcoholic, you have the opportunity to no longer be an alcoholic. And if you were a sinner in regard to pornography, old things are passed away. It's a new life you have now. You have the life of God inside you. He is perfecting that which concerns you. He who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. One is now ready to live life in the kingdom of God. And this is where our new spirit-led life begins. Colossians 1.13. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That's what's happened to us. We have literally been picked up and moved into a new place. Not our bodies, but yes, our spirit man. My spirit man was dead to the things of God. Now he's alive. And God has translated me into the kingdom of his dear son. I no longer live in the kingdom of Satan. I no longer live in the kingdom of man. I no longer have a desire for the things of the flesh. My desire now is for the things of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things of this earth. Hallelujah. For your life is hid in Christ. Hallelujah. Now, let me tell you something about this kingdom. Remember, Jesus told the Jews, this kingdom is within you, right? But he also told them, unless one is born again, that they couldn't see this kingdom. One receives this new kingdom. You've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. One receives this kingdom by faith. Faith is the currency of the kingdom whereby you appropriate the promises of God. Obedience is the evidence that we live in this kingdom. It's a new way of living a sometimes difficult way of living, but it's the only way you can succeed living in this kingdom. And we already live in this kingdom now. Yes, I live in the kingdom of God now. I live in the kingdom of heaven now. Yes, I've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. If you are born again, you are living in the kingdom of God. We already live there, but we are in this kingdom by faith and in the spirit, or rather this kingdom is living in us, But living like this in God's kingdom is only temporary. There will be a time when the king returns to the earth and we will be living in his presence. And that time is closer than you think. Let me say this. I was telling you about how close we are because you see the apostasy. That's a sign. You see the rebirth of Israel. That's a sign. You see lawlessness. That's a sign. You see rampant homosexuality. All of these are signs of how close the return of Jesus Christ is. And because of that... That means the church will be removed at some point. I don't believe it's going to be very long. I think it's going to be rather quickly. America cannot continue on its present pace, in its present course, and expect to remain. I mean, we are headed for destruction. And not by Satan, but by God's judgment, just like Israel. God does not put up with sin. He's done it. He's been really good. The Bible says the long-suffering of God is salvation. But there comes a point when he just says enough is enough, and we are fast approaching that point. Well, what happens when that happens, Ron? Well, what happens is God will remove the church before he destroys the ungodly, and we will go into what's called the seven-year tribulation. Not the seven-year tribulation. It's the tribulation of Israel, and it's where the wrath of Christ is in the earth. And so what happens there then, the church is taken out and you have seven years of literal hell on earth. And I mean literally hell on earth. There's at some point Revelation maybe eight or nine where God literally empties hell out and he brings it onto the earth. That goes on for seven years. So the point I'm trying to make is let's say we get raptured in two years. Then you've got seven years of tribulation. That's nine years. And then what follows that? 
Well, you follow that with the judgment of the nations, and then the redeemed, they're the only ones that go into the millennial reign of Christ, the redeemed. The redeemed go into the millennial reign, which is awesome. That means potentially in nine years, 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, if you're on this earth and you are redeemed, you will be living in a different sphere. You will be living in a different environment. You will be living, wow, in the presence of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. Jesus Christ will be seated on the throne of David in the city of Jerusalem. Israel will be the center of the earth culturally, politically, militarily. Everything will revolve around Christ sitting in Jerusalem. And people will be living to be a thousand years old. Death will no longer be predominant. Death will be the exception rather than the rule. So this is where we are heading. And like I said, if I'm thinking right, you know, 10, 15 years, That's where I'm going to be. It's amazing. I love it. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. But that's all the good news. There's all the bad news that goes on before that. But it's important that we understand. But let me talk to you about that part. So we're still living here in the end of, let me give you a big picture of where we are. Okay, man is only 6,000 years old. Understand that. There's no pro-magnum man. There's no Neapolitan man or whatever you call it, Neanderthal man. Man is only 6,000 years old. And so the first 4,000 years, man lived that. He lived it in the antediluvian age, the age of reason, the age of innocence. I mean, all of that. But at the end of the day, when mankind had been on the earth for 4,000 years is when Jesus returned. That happened 2,000 years ago. So we are right there at the end is what I'm trying to tell you. And so what happens is we have the church age, which comes under the age of grace when Jesus Christ came into the earth. The day of Pentecost is when the church was born. That's when the Holy Spirit came and filled the church. That was 2,000 years ago, maybe 1,997 years, something like that, whatever. But we're right there is what I'm talking about. So that's happening under the age of grace. Jesus Christ ushered into the age of grace. Within that period of age of grace, you've got the church age. The church operates for X amount of time. And then he removes the church, the Lord does. And then you've got seven years of tribulation. The good news? That seven years of tribulation, and I love this, I love that this is so fabulous, you have got to understand this. Remember, 4,000 years, mankind in the earth before Christ. Christ comes, and Christ, at his resurrection, uh, sends the Holy Spirit down, and the age of grace begins. There are two great, uh, what shall I call it, two great happenings that are included under the age of grace. Number one, the birth and the life and the removal of the church and the tribulation period. The tribulation period is actually taking place under the age of grace. Grace ends at the end of the tribulation period. Did you get that? Grace does not end before the tribulation period. Those who live in the tribulation period are still under grace. Is that the love of God or what? Isn't that great? Because you think in the tribulation period, that's it. The door is closed. Nobody else is going to get saved. That is false. We will see the greatest revival mankind has ever seen. Revelation chapter 7, the greatest revival mankind has ever seen under the tribulation. But praise God for his mercy. The tribulation is also part of the grace age. Thank you, Jesus. So... Mankind's got uh, 6,000 years to live. And at the end of that, then, we will go to Matthew 25, 31, and 46. Do I have time? Eh, I can do it. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. This is when David, but Jesus goes to sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem. 
verse 34, 32, and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. How appropriate is that? So anyway, we've got the judgment of the nations or better said, the judgment of the people of the nations and some will be going into the millennial reign to live with Christ. The others, unfortunately, they will go directly into the lake of fire. They do not go to hell. They do not pass go. They do not collect $200. They go straight to the lake of fire. The lake of fire, my friends, is final. You don't die in the lake of fire. You live forever. No, let me rephrase that. You don't die in the lake of fire. You die forever in the lake of fire. You're in a constant state of being dead. It is terrible. You perish is the word, and it's different than dying. There's no end. You will continually be in torment. I'll have to stop there, but I've taken you right now to the door of the millennial kingdom. Next time, we'll talk about who gets to go in. It's an exciting time. What does it look like? I can't wait to do it. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters, my family, Lord, that you would keep them, that you would wash over them. I apply the blood of Jesus over their sins, Father God. I ask that you draw them, fill them with a hunger for your word, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.